Welcome to The Recurring Plot, presented by Curb and Turf. On this show, we interview agritourism farmers, authors, leaders, and influencers who share their insights on growing and monetizing your agritourism business. Here's your host, Dustin Reed. Hi, this is Dustin from Curb and Turf. You're listening to The Recurring Plot, a show that talks about all things RVs and how to earn a recurring income from your property. Please join me in welcoming Michelle Martin, who is an owner of the Ag Mag and also the host of Ag on Wheels. She's basically a, a Jill of all trades, maybe a Michelle of all trades. So we're very grateful to have Michelle here on the podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Michelle. Thanks for having me. And I hope everyone's ready because I sure am long-winded. Something <laughs> I appreciate about you is your background, even though you're a big advocate, and well, let's just say advocate, right? But your your background isn't necessarily didn't have those roots. Can you kind of explain to our audience a little bit about your background and how you kind of your your origin story, if you will? <laughs> sure. So I actually live in the most southern tip of Texas, as I like to say. But I live seven miles from the Mexican border. So if you're looking on a map, the very tip of Texas downwards, Brownsville, McAllen, Harlingen, that's me. And what a lot of people don't know is they associate this area with Mexico and border wars. And there's all these things going on. Yes, a lot of it is going on. But at the same time, there's a huge niche for agriculture here. There's over 50 varieties of vegetables, all that great stuff. So born and raised here obviously have the beach where I'm at now, a big beach girl along with farm girl. But my mom actually was a restaurant owner, grew up with a single mother, and she opened her first restaurant by the time she was 19. And so I'm an only child, single parent. So essentially, I really grew up in the restaurant business, which is where I think I've got my people skills from. Uh, went to A&M and swore I'd never move back down here. And lo and behold, met my husband. He got a job down here. And here I am 15 years later. So <laughs> maybe 15. Well, I don't even know. <laughs> that's awesome that you have this this fascinating background. It's obviously probably shaped who you are today and what your interests are. Can you speak a little bit about that? How you, because you went through some adversity, a lot of adversity just to, to get mm-hmm. to where you are now. If, you know, just even being raised by a single mother. So I'm sure you had a really strong connection with her. Can you explain about how you even came about? I guess the first thing that you started was the ag magazine, but can you talk about about your experience before that and how you got to that point? Yeah, absolutely. So really it started, like I said, grew up in the restaurant business. And after graduating high school, I got accepted into A&M. And I originally had gone to college to become a marine biologist. And whenever I got my first D in biology and kind of realized how much money marine biologists make, I said, okay, maybe, maybe I have to, not out of choice, but maybe it's be a smarter decision to change my major. So I actually changed my major five times. I still graduated college and really had no clue what I wanted to do. But as most people, you change, you evolve, so does your passion. But I was up at A&M, and this is a really funny story. So like I said, growing up in the restaurant business, I was constantly at work with my mom as a single parent. So I learned how to work and work ethic at a very young age. And my mom was a perfect role model of that. And she has since passed away. But she was a great, like I said, model to reflect upon. Anyways, was at a and my first year, my mom's rule to me was, you are not allowed to get a job. Your job is school. Well, that doesn't sit well with me. So behind her back, I went and got a job waiting tables. And she found out about it and drove up to a and which at the time was about a seven-hour drive from oh. my hometown, and came and walked into the restaurant. I was working at the Outback and made my boss fire me right then and there on the spot while I was at work and took away my car keys and told me my job was school. The next day, I literally took the bus, public transportation of the college buses to a different restaurant and got a job again right behind her back. 
And which actually it plays out because I kept it a secret for a good half a year. My then progressed on to my sophomore year at AM and I get a call from my mom and she says, Michelle, I've lost my business after 27 years. It's really, you have two choices. You can either come home and live here, find a job, finish out school here, or you can stay up there. But if you stay up there, you're going to be paying for your school, your rent. You have to take care of it all. So at that point in my life was a huge pivotal moment for me and a big decision. And I decided to stay. And I said, well, I'm so glad I've had this job behind your back for so long because now I have an income to support my rent. As far as paying for my school, I'm going to have to take out loans, but it is what it is. And so I paid my way through A&M and it was a really dark time for me a lot of times college and it was the time of your life and you're exploring and all these things. For me, it was strictly making ends meet and then trying to maintain a social life. So the education aspect of it, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I didn't learn anything in college really, except for how to survive. And for me, that might've been the greatest lesson that I had ever received more than anything a book could have ever taught me. Aside from the fact that I'm highly ADHD, I'm not good with books, which is ironic. <laughs> I own a magazine, right? But uh, it, it just all plays together. But long story short, it was a really difficult time. Graduated and went and worked at a news station back at home and hated it. I would go in at two o'clock in the afternoon and I wouldn't get done till midnight, one o'clock at night. And it just... at 23, 24 years old, I had absolutely no social life. I was only getting them paid minimum wage and I was an assistant producer or running the teleprompter. So after a short stint there, I went and I actually sold mobile homes. It's crazy. Never sold one. And that lasted about a month. I worked 13 hour days, six days a week, and only got paid $100 a week because it was solely commission based. So of course I couldn't survive off that. Then I went and I worked for a produce company called Rio Queen. There I was in charge of their marketing. So website, catalogs, they sold a lot of citrus. Well, I was there for a year and they let us know that the company was selling out to what is now wonderful citrus. So if you ever see Fiji water or Fuji water, however you want to say it, your wonderful pistachios, your halos, the little oranges. So they now own that. They were buying that company out. So I left and went and worked at the private school that I actually went to as a kid. It was a private school, a church, and a child care. I was there for three years. And after about three years, I realized, okay, I've done all I can do. I'm too ADHD. I was just going into work and finding myself fiddling my thumbs and playing around on Facebook. Because Facebook was cool at the time. <laughs> and so... I just, I was lacking that urge of feeling a purpose and it started to affect me as a person, my relationship with my now husband. And it just, there was all these integrated factors that I just wasn't comfortable with. And so I remember looking up at the ceiling and saying, God, get me out of here. Like, how long do I have to stay here? And I'm not kidding you within like 10 minutes, the idea came to me, why don't you start a farming magazine? And so I called my now husband and I said, babe, do they have a farming magazine here in the Valley? And he said, they used to, but they don't anymore. And my husband's involved in agriculture. And he said, they don't anymore. And I said, great, they do today. And so I walked in there and put in my two weeks notice and I made a fake magazine, like what we call a mock magazine. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend who was a graphic designer who I had worked with at a previous job. I let him know my idea and I said, you want to jump on board? He said, let's do it. He said, it'll be a great source of extra income. So here I am. I've never put together a magazine. I didn't learn anything about it in college. I said, I'm just going to wing it. And I did. And so I had my husband drive me around to local agricultural businesses and said, hey, guys, do y'all want to advertise? This is what I'm going to do. And I think we went to about 50 locations. And out of that 50, four said yes. So my first magazine was 24 pages and by the second, with four advertisers, might I mention. And then by the second magazine, I was up to 52 pages. 
And it just kind of progressed. And so by the first year, I think I was up to 40 or 50 advertisers, maybe 60. I don't know. I've, I've lost count. But 11 years later, here I am. And if you want, I'm sure we'll talk about it here in a little bit on how I started this show. But everything really originated with God giving me that idea out of my frustration one day and just taking that leap of faith. And I've now had the magazine for 10 solid years. That That's <laughs> persistence. I mean, I yes. that's a lot of faith building too. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of times you're probably doubting yourself even. Oh my gosh. I yes. I was reading where you've probably, you had what $200 in the bank. Yeah. Uh, when I quit as, my job, I had $200 and my husband, I mean, we were still young, like trying to get our life together. We weren't even married yet. And I remember him being so mad at me. He was like, Michelle, like, what are you doing? Like, you're not a stay at home mom. I can't afford for you to be, you're not, obviously we didn't have a child yet. He's like, but you have to work. Like I can't sustain our lifestyle with you not working. And I said, I promise you it's going to work. It's going to work. And it did. It, it really did. But there were a lot of trials in there. I'd say that because I didn't grow up in agriculture, here's someone coming in with a farming magazine trying to sell ads and trying to write these stories about agriculture when I knew nothing about it. But that was the fun part is I got to learn. And now I think I know more than I'd like to know. Right. <laughs> so, Yes. <laughs> you got you got yes. a peek behind the curtain. So, I mean, yeah. now you're now you're probably the Wizard of Oz now. <laughs> no, I don't know. The trials were really and I don't know if you want me to jump into it now, but the, yes, there were a lot of trials and tears and everything with the magazine because it's not as easy as people think because it's just me and my graphic designer. So, mm. I'm in charge of finding the stories. I'm in charge of finding all the advertisers. I'm running all the finances, invoicing. I'm the one that's filling out this, what we call a dummy board on what, what's going where on what page. And then my graphic designer kind of ties it together. And then I've got to edit it. And then I do go out and deliver it. So it's really like a two-man band aside from people who write for me, which has been a saving grace because there's a lot of times where I just don't want to write <laughs> or I might not know enough about the topic to write about it. And so I'm forever grateful to the people who have supported and advertised and to the writers who take time to write articles. But the real challenges I think are more so with like the social media and the show aspect. But starting the magazine was definitely a life changer for me. <laughs> I assume so because it encompassed pretty much everything that you're doing at that point. Because I mean, how, so how'd you find balance in everything with the magazine. You say that, and that's where I think we can kind of play into how the show and social media, it, for me, was a little more difficult because the magazine had seemed to take off so quickly. I had started off with 24 pages, and I think by the second one, it was somewhere in the ballpark, somewhere in the 50s. I believe it's 52 pages. So basically, it had progressed so, so quickly, and I had found that niche that I had that mentality in my head, like, oh, okay, everything I do now is gonna take off quickly because I found that niche, there's nothing like this. And the magazine actually did make money right off the bat. I mean, granted, not a lot, but it was more so an internal battle that I was facing with myself because I was so used to going from that eight to five or sometimes working 13, 14 hours a day and then here I am in control of my own hours, which I love. I love that freedom. But for me, I almost felt guilty if I only had to work four or five hours a day. And later on down the road, come to find out that actually was one of the biggest blessings because around my third edition, I remember sitting there talking to my husband and we were married by this point, by the third edition, and we were talking about having a kid. And I'm like, I just don't think that I can have a child right now. I'm just starting this thing. And so we made this agreement by, I think it was a fourth or fifth edition. Okay, we're going to start trying for a child. I held my end of the deal. And lo and behold, I got pregnant. And this is where my life kind of turned around too, is when my mom had lost her business when I was a sophomore in college, she began to become an alcoholic because the restaurant essentially was her child. I mean, I think I was like number two, but I mean that, and anyone who's listening, if 
you're involved in the food industry and you're a restaurant owner that it is like having a child on steroids because you have all your employees, everything. And so she became an alcoholic and it wasn't a minor problem. It was, she was a full blown alcoholic. And so here I am trying to deal with that. And I was grateful I had the time to help her as much as I could. But then I'm also pregnant. And my mom actually passed away when I was 16 weeks pregnant with my son. And being an only child with a single parent, all the responsibility fell on me. And I remember sitting there the last day in the hospital and it was, it was, I, I don't even have words to describe it. When you have to make the decision to pull a plug on your loved one, it's, it's a very difficult decision, especially being pregnant. And if there's any girls listening that have been pregnant, what I mean, because hormones are, they're not our friend. And so you can only imagine that. So I'm sitting here planning this funeral, pulling the plug on my mom, then I'm planning the funeral, still trying to run my magazine and I'm pregnant. And about a couple days after my mom's funeral, I go to the doctor to check on my son, annual checkup, and they tell me, there's an issue with your umbilical cord. Your son might have either a some sort of underdevelopment of kidneys, or I don't even remember what it was, but there's an issue here. And we need you to come in every two weeks to get a sonogram to make sure that he's growing properly. There's a high probability he's going to be born with issues and be premature. Hmm. So I haven't even processed the death of my mom. Now this unborn child as a first time mother is going to have all these issues. And I'm trying to run this business. So at that point, I'm like, thank God I don't work for someone because I would have been fired with all the time I've had to miss. And I messed up a couple times on a couple editions, forgot to throw in advertisers that had paid, but it's because my mind wasn't solely focused there again. And so let's fast forward. My son is born. Everything is fine. There was absolutely nothing wrong until about day 10. Day 10 my child starts crying and crying and you're thinking to yourself as a newborn they sleep 16 to 18 hours within a 24-hour period my child was sleeping six to eight and so i'm like and he was constantly crying and i'm like oh my god this is what having a kid is about i don't want to ever do this again my husband said we need to go to the doctor there's obviously something wrong so we go and they run a urine analysis on him and they call us and they're like oh my gosh there's all this bacteria in his urine. You need to get to the hospital now. And so we get there and we're there for about five days. They inject him with all these antibiotics. Well, then from that point forward, my child was getting sick every five days for the first two years of his life, constantly sick. And they're like, hey, there's a high probability because his white blood count is elevated. He might have leukemia. We need to run some additional tests. So you can only imagine how much of a mess I'm at. And mm -hmm. I told my husband, I said, it's, it's either I'm going to have to quit my magazine and solely focus on this child and my family, or I'm going to have to keep going, but I'm going to have to hire help. I was in no financial position to hire anyone. And I remember looking up at the ceiling again and being like, God, thank you for giving me this magazine. I'm glad I work for myself and have my own freedom but what am I, I can't do this. Sure enough, I got the strength and I pushed through. He did not have leukemia, turns out, thank God. And we, that's just a different story in itself, what was essentially wrong. He's perfectly healthy now, great. But right after he turned two and a half, I remember thinking to myself, okay, well, if the magazine survived that, and it's essentially, it's kind of running itself with just a little grooming here and there, I said, let's expand it and let's put a visual with the magazine so let's make these videos where we're highlighting the farmers recovering in the or ranchers that were covering in the magazine and give those people who don't like to read like me a visual so that's kind of where the show came into play and that that's a oh gosh oh i put my family in sixty thousand dollars worth of debt starting the show so <laughs> And my story just keeps on going. Right. So it sounds like when, and, and I'm glad that I, things turned out the way they did, obviously God has a plan. It seems like, and yeah. he, he definitely, you're listening and 
and and you uh, saw it through sometimes. had well <laughs> you saw it through i mean that's the biggest yeah. thing is that you had enough faith to see through the adversity see the blessing even look t- at the blessing of having mm-hmm. the business right and having the flexibility that you had at that time cuz it sounds like anyone else i mean i would assume would <laughs> kind of just fold their fold their hand and kind of give up yeah i i know i i mean i, I would i would I would come close. I mean, I'm sure you have come close or whatever, but the thing yeah. is that you stuck with it and it was able to make money and you were able to free your time. And that, that only speaks to the work that you had to put into it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, after the storm, you're creating something else and that in itself is going to probably, I mean, you're going to $60,000 in the debt. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean if, so, but Talk about that because, I mean, because it yeah. sounds like you worked if you worked as a producer, right? Or your assistant producer, you're working in, you're, you're already familiar kind of with that. Yeah. You, right. had this, you had this vision of what you wanted. So, I mean, how, how were you able to, I mean, weigh out the pros and cons of that in your head? You know, I, I didn't. I just, I'm, I'm, I wing it. And when I say I'm ADHD, I really am. I'm, I'm chronically, the doctor even said, I don't even know how you function on a daily basis. So let's just put it that way. But I'm always looking to grow and to improve myself. And I never was the person that wanted to be a self-betterment, whatever. I, but after going through what I did, I think I, my eyes were kind of open from the big man upstairs that I have this unique personality. And anyone who's listening that may follow me on social media, they, I think they can agree to that. I just wing it, I do what I want when I want. And so I kind of said, okay, so we're gonna put this visual to the show. And I had used my knowledge from working at the news station, but my boss at the news station, I'll never forget it. She looked at me dead in the eyes and said, you do not have the, physical looks to be a news anchor you do not have the voice for it and you certainly don't have the personality for it you're too spunky and i remember looking at her and i said you watch me one day you'll see me on tv and those were my last words to her and so whenever someone tells me no that gives me more ammunition and it's so cliche because you hear that all the time right like if someone tells me no i'm gonna prove them wrong Well, that's what I did. Same with the magazine. I had a man tell me one time, hey, you you don't know what you're doing. I'm not even going to waste my time. This is never going to work. Well, after the first year, I remember getting all my editions of the magazine and wrapping them up into like several boxes. So he had to unwrap like eight boxes before he got down to the gift. And the gift was a whole year's worth of magazines (laughs) with a note that said, from the girl you said would never make it. And so it's like, and yes, I'm very sarcastic, but it was that driving force. So here I am and I'm like, okay, I have these connections. I have, there was a three man camera crew is what I started out with. And it was 30 minute episodes. And essentially I didn't have the funds to travel anywhere. And so I said, I'm just gonna keep it local here in the Valley. We have so much agriculture and went out and started making these episodes with agriculture from sugar cane on how sugar is made to the sugar mill. We have one of the only sugar mills in Texas to the ranching side, to all the vegetables. Well, here I am so happy to be in front of the camera and sharing ag because it is important. But then the bills would come in and I'd be like, oh my gosh, $10,000. I have to pay production, $10,000. And then it was airing on my local ABC channel and I had to pay them a grand a week. So for a grand, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like literally $20,000 after two months, whatever, more than that in the hole. And my husband's like, you're gonna have to stop. Well, I didn't stop. And by this point, it's almost $60,000. And I just was like, okay, like, what am I gonna do? Like, I, I have to stop. And I remember sitting at dinner and I said, what? I'm going to reach out to my friend who owns a produce shed and ask him if he wants to be a sponsor for the show. And lo and behold, I reached out to him. He said, come have a meeting with me. So I did. And his name is Will Steele and I'll forever be grateful to him. He sat me down in his office and he said, look, I'm going to get you out of debt 
you have the personality, you have so much potential, I'm going to make this work for you. And he said, but in exchange, you're going to do marketing for me and my business at least two days a week. And I was like, okay, great, let's do it. And so he pretty much got me out of debt. We started this thing called Farmer Who, which was a QR code. It was a little sticker. We started it with watermelons. And basically, you put your camera up to that QR code like everyone did in COVID, right? To read menus or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this is right before COVID, by the way. So no one really used QR codes. They tried. It wasn't really taking off. But we did it with produce. And we did it on watermelons and you put your phone up to that QR code and a one minute video would pop up with me interviewing the farmer that grew that exact piece of produce that you were holding. So this way that provided the transparency to that consumer. They could know where it came from, who grew it, how it's grown, answer all those questions. Well, then COVID hits and we're like, great. Now we can't get into grocery stores. We can't really travel anymore. And it kind of just went to a standstill. And we're like, oh, my God, this is such a great idea. We had trademarked all these things. We had done all these things. And it never really took off because COVID was just rocking everyone's world, and especially in agriculture as well. And so I just continued to do marketing for him. But at this point, I'm out of debt and working for him two days a week. And I remember calling one of the camera guys and I said, look, I'm going to let the other two go. I don't really mesh with them well, but you and I, like our personalities, you get me, you understand me, you're patient. We're going to make the same videos, but we're going to condense it because everyone's attention span has gone from like 30 minutes to like 10 minutes. And so, and I said, plus it's a lot more affordable to pay for production. I pulled the show off the ABC channel. It was like, I'm, no one's watching it Sunday at 5 a.m. What, what am I wasting this money for? let's really get into that social media. And my husband's like, you need to start an Instagram. Well, I did. And again, I found that niche because a lot of people are not familiar with all the varieties of vegetables that are grown. When you think farming, you're thinking corn, cotton, grain, all your your commodities, I suppose. And so it kind of just like took off. And then my personality jumping off hay bales or skydiving over a field like there's just i do random things and rolling down a hill on a tire i don't know and it's i just was having fun with it and that was a pivotal moment too for me because i said wow i have the potential to reach so many more people if i combine this with the magazine and put the magazine on social media which it was primarily just for south texas now it's pretty much nationwide And it was a good business learning aspect for me because I had the same mentality like with the magazine. Oh, it's going to take off and I'm going to make all this money. But I didn't. The TV is in the whole social media is a completely different beast. Just like Instagram is different from YouTube. Everyone has different algorithms. And so that was a good growing business moment for me. And then after that, the social media just kind of took off and started getting a couple sponsors here and there and they would fly me out to farms and it kind of just grew from there. That's that's awesome. <laughs> you had a pivot obviously because yeah. you you mentioned that you're losing money because you're paying a tele, television station to air your yeah. your product and that's something you're producing on your own so you're paying your cameraman and then I'm sure you're editing and all that stuff like that. Yes. And then you have this aha moment where you're able to do that online, get a bigger reach. What year was that when you started social media, when you really started diving into that? Let's see, we're in 2023, probably been like around 2019 is really when I initially had like started the Instagram and YouTube part of it. You grew quite a bit. I mean, do you, do you think COVID helped with that? Because people, a lot of people staying home or Yeah, it was right before COVID. I don't, back in the day, right before COVID, Reels and TikToks, it wasn't that big. And so in order to gain your followers, it was more about networking and connecting with the people that followed you or connecting with other accounts who were similar in the same, I guess, just similar and do kind of what you do or what I cover, farming. And so for me, it was more of a relationship building at that point. So 
It wasn't like someone could see one video go viral and then you gain a hundred thousand followers. You really had to work for it. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't the type of person that's like, oh, I'm going to buy bots or I don't do that. Right. I wanted to be genuine and know that my hard work was going to pay off and I wanted to do it the right way. And so I would literally drive out to farms every single day just for Instagram, just to get content to stay consistent. And then here you go with COVID and then all of a sudden TikTok, Reels, all these things come out. I hate editing and I think anyone really hates editing. And my camera guy, I call him my producer, camera wizard, whatever. He'd probably agree to that. But I realized I had to conform with the way that social media was going or I was going to fail yet again. And I've had so many pivotal moments or standstill moments in my life where it's like, do you keep going or do you quit? And you've got to do what's best for you. But when you have that drive and you have that passion in your heart and you love what you do, and I know that it was meant for me, it was something that I just, I could not quit. And so obviously with all, everything that had happened, I'm like, if I've gone through all that, like the least I can do is learn how to make reels at this point. <laughs> and so I did. And I figured instead of getting frustrated when you don't get X amount of views on this, or you don't get X amount of whatever on that, you can't focus on that. You've got to focus on your love for what you do. And when COVID hit, I think a lot of us became more aware of what we were putting into our bodies. And I feel like the farmers started to get more of a bad rap than a good rap. And there's only 2% of agriculture or farmers that are left in this United States that are feeding and clothing people. And for me, I wanted to be that vehicle that gave them their voice back in a fun, lighthearted manner. And so I said, you know what, I'm just going to play with it. I'm going to play with the algorithm because it's always changing. I'm just going to have fun with what I do. And if it's meant for me, it'll come to me. And people would contact me all the time. Hey, you need to fly up and film my farm. But what people don't understand is I'm self-funded. So if, if I don't have the money in my bank account, like I can't just pick up and leave. I live at the right. freaking the end of the earth, pretty much. <laughs> Very southern tip of Texas. <laughs> And at that point, Syngenta actually had contacted me and they said, hey, we want you to make these videos for us. Keep the formality of your show, but we want to kind of incorporate some of our products in there and we'll fund your travel. We'll give you some growers, yada, yada. And we've developed a great relationship from there. And I don't know, that helps me fund my travels. And so whenever I have the money in my account, aside from working for other companies, I love to go and visit farms and film them. But again, self-funded. So I have to pay my camera guy and then I got to pay for both our travel. So it's not as easy as just picking up and driving across the US, especially with the family too. So Right. Yeah, there's so many so many things you're juggling, right? Cuz you have your family, you have your son. Mm -hmm. You have the business plus it's not only just it's the the show the the magazine plus working sounds like you're working two days a week for like oh, well it's i just, was not anymore okay. yeah i don't work at the produce company but yes i was there for about two and a half three years but so that's where my marketing company comes into play right. so i was used to getting paid after he got me out of debt and here i am rock and rolling with my show his marketing we're having all this fun and then of this year of 2020, well, it was 2022, November, 2022, he said, Hey, we're going to part ways. We're still friends, but I'm going to take you off retainer. So if I need you or I need some marketing material, you'll be the person I call. But at this point, we're kind of restructuring our company. You seem to be on your feet. I'm always here if you need me. But so I lost that income mm -hmm. and I was getting paid, you know, every month as right. a retainer. And so here I am, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that money was paying for this and paying for that. What am I going to do? So now I'm freaking out like, oh my gosh, like I'm so done with these moments. Like, give me a break. Oh God, come on. Right. And I remember driving it home with my husband from, it was the holidays. And so we're driving back and I'm like, God, this happened two days before Thanksgiving. I can't use money on food now. Like I'm going to have to go into reserves and I looked at my husband and I said, why don't I just start a marketing company for ads? I said, I always have people coming to me wanting to promote their product, but I don't want to be a promotional account. You know, I want to tell stories of hardworking families involved in ads. So how do I differentiate promoting and telling stories on my Instagram and on these episodes for the show? 
And I said, I think I have it figured out. Within two weeks, I had 13 clients. And from developing websites to making episodes to doing print ads, because I have the means, I have the graphic designer, I have my videographer, I have me. And so let's just all combine together and blow it out of the park. It was great for like a month. And then I realized, oh my gosh, like I am literally waking up every day at seven o'clock and I am working till two or three in the morning. I can't do this. I can't afford a team yet. Maybe I could. I'm just really bad at finances. I don't know. What am I going to do? Like, oh my gosh. Like, I didn't expect for that to take off so quickly. And so at that point in time, again, I had to kind of restructure, cap how many people I was going to be marketing for until I'm at a point where I can hire someone and pay them a full salary, which still has yet to happen. Maybe I should stop shopping on Amazon. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I wouldn't stop shopping on it. Well, it's just, it's funny because like you seem to, it's like part of your, what I'm noticing from your story is that you go full steam and you kind of back <laughs> off a little bit it's because you're, it's yeah. a learning, it's a learning curve, right? It's because yeah. you're like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm gung ho. I'm going to go at it. Maybe it's the ADHD, but you're, you're full on with it. And then you're, then you really reevaluate, which is great because then you pivot, then you, then you really analyze and okay, well, this is not going to work for the long term. Either I'm not going to run either. It's I'm not going to have enough finances or I'm not going to have enough time. You're, you're gauging, which I feel, I feel it's really great for our listeners too, because those are moments because a lot of people just kind of they're probably going to, they're probably like you where they're, they're going full steam. They want to achieve their dreams. They want to achieve their goals. And then they hit a bump in the road. Mm-hmm. And you're such a great example of being, having perse- perseverance and just being able to adjust and being kind of fluid with your decisions and also knowing your strengths, knowing your capabilities, obviously being a, a, a Jill of all trades or Jack of all trades <laughs> that helps yeah. just because then you, you kind of experience different things, you know, you have that experience to fall back on. And it's kind of <laughs> like a baptism by fire in a lot of ways. Yeah. Just because, I so, always say God, people listening may not be religious and that's mm-hmm. fine. That's their decision. But like for me, what I've learned through it all is in the lessons that I've been taught from the big man upstairs is Yes, it may be meant for you, but you may just not be doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. And I'm so hard. I think our, and everyone can probably attest to this. We're our own worst critic. We're mm-hmm. harder on ourselves than other people. There's mm-hmm. always going to be people out there who want to be keyboard warriors, or there might be someone out there who may just not like you because they don't like you. But that's the great thing about being an adult is we can choose who we're friends with. And we always have to give ourselves grace. And that's where I fall short a lot of the times is if I fail the first time, I feel a sense of defeat sometimes. And so I'll go and I'll hermit and I'll have to be by myself for just a couple days to reassess. But, and I remember doing a podcast, with Rob Sharkey, and I said, look, everyone's given a deck of cards in life. Okay. Let's put it hypothetically speaking. We have a deck of cards everyone's deck is different or everyone's hand of cards is different. Mm -hmm. However you want to say it. It's not the quality of your hand that you have. It's how you play it. And so we Mm -hmm. have to play our circumstances. We have to play our lives differently. My life is completely different from yours. We may have similarities and we may have the same experience, but we've done it differently. And that's what makes life great is learning, evolving, and accepting where you're weak and fixing it and then using your strengths to better your life and someone else's. Yeah. I love that analogy because it's kind of like <laughs> no one to hold them, no one to fold them. It's just yes. like, you know, know what your strengths are, your high cards, your low cards, when to play those, play that hand. It's, yeah. And it's so cool that you're, that you, a lot of people hear podcast self-help things and then it's just like here's the formula success it's xyz and just do this a lot of people don't don't realize it's it's the stuff that you don't like to do where you're gonna have to that's where you're gonna find success right it's those things that where you're it's the late nights or it's those things where or even other things outside of those like 
with your mother, with your son, things going with your, through your son. I'm sure there's a lot of dark moments in your life where oh, gosh, yes. you're able to see, see some light, see the blessings, see those ways to where you can make it successful and, and just kind of have that, have that, that outlook. And, and yeah. I love, I love that your stories because a lot of ways you and I are very similar in our outlook. And I, I sometimes think I have ADHD as well. And that's one of the reasons, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I do what I do, which is because I, yeah. I, I love learning about different businesses, different people and, and learning from them. And I'm able to incorporate kind of their stories and kind of learn from them. And I, I just love, that's one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast. It's kind of an education for, for people out there because we want, that's one of the reasons why we, you know, want to make sure people understand if they're starting a business. Because a cool thing that we do at Curb and Turf, we, we're try to be an advocate for property owners. And we actually have a challenge course. It's a free ch- five-day challenge course in which you could go to agritourismchallenge.com and we give information on how you could network because you mentioned that, like how networking is important. We give a lot of tools and tips on how people could turn their their property into more money and yeah. how they could find other businesses. I mean, everyone's going to have a, their different, a different story or a different passion or whatever it is. Like, obviously you found yours, which is great. So that's something that we want to encourage. So any list listeners out there, again, this is free. Just go to agritourismchallenge.com and you'll be able to find some information there. Again, we're just trying to educate similar to what Michelle's doing, just educating people. And I love what you're doing because you're educating people where their food comes from. I mean, I I look at your show and and a lot of that's showing the process and how, how it's being produced. And because a lot Mm -hmm. of people just don't understand what that looks like because they don't know, they don't. And there's so many factors that go into it just, like any produce coming to your table, like there's supply chains and there's just things that you don't even think about. Fertilizer is a huge thing. Like there's just all these things that normal, I'll call it normal people just don't know about. Right. Cause that's one that I love that, that what you're doing. Why do you think that's important to be an advocate and why do you educate so much? I just, you know, I, like I said, I didn't grow up in agriculture. My grandparents, they had farmland, but they would always lease it out. But marrying into, with my husband, he sells fertilizer for a company called Helena. And then he farms on the side. He also has cattle on the side. And being involved in that and seeing all the work that it takes, like on Christmas Day, guess what? You're going out there. You're spending time away from your family. And there's just all these factors and people are so quick these days and especially the younger generation and maybe even some of the older you type something into google and just because it's on google or it's on a reel in social media they they believe it and then they share it and then it shares here and it spreads like wildfire and it's all misinformation and the biggest form of marketing and anyone i think can agree to this is the word of mouth you can spend thousands of dollars on videos on print ads But when it comes down to it, it's people talking. And I mean, for example, there was a reel the other day, which I still need to make because I screen recorded it. But it's this guy talking about how you need to buy frozen vegetables that are flash frozen because they have more nutrition than what you buy at a grocery store that's your fresh produce. And he talks about how they sit in warehouses. And in his video, it's not even a produce warehouse. It's like an Amazon warehouse. But he's led people to believe that it's produce in these things. And your produce is not safe. And there's so much controversy between organic and conventional. Well, you know what? We, in our area, we grow both. And I've seen both. And so I want to be that vehicle that gives people the correct information and then let them make that decision for themselves. But I'm going to go straight to the source and you're going to hear it directly from that source. You're not going to hear it from someone who thinks they know it all on a reel. I'm going directly to that person. And so for me, it's just so important to give the farmers and the ranchers and even the people at the FSA office or just agriculture, their voice back because they do work. And if you think about it, 
there's only, I guess, let's just round up a little bit. I think it's 1.7, but maybe 2% of the world provides clothes and food for everyone. That little percentage is working endlessly and selflessly for strangers so they can survive and they can live the life that they do. Because everything, even from the chair you're sitting on, comes from some sort of agriculture. And mm-hmm. people have forgotten that. And that's that's the part that really drives me because I want people to know without agriculture, we're going to be, you, I want to say a bad word, beep, up a creek. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? We're, right. we're not going to be in a good position. And so I just think that getting the right information out there is going to do a world of difference. And there's just one of me, but if I can make, if I can change two people's mind, then guess what? I've changed 2000 people's mind because Mm -hmm. those two people are going to go share that information and it's just going to come full circle. Right. Mm Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. Cause there's so much, there is a lot of misinformation or call it fake news or whatever you want to do. Like there's, there, there is a lot of that and it's important that people where they're getting their information from and like, are those sources credible? And like, that's one of the great things about your show or your magazine is just providing another way, another source of information. Right. So then that way people could actually be keep on, they could keep up being, being educated and understanding those, the factors and what's out there organic versus conventional or because GMO gets a bad rap, or, but there's <laughs> lots, there's good things and bad things, right. For anything, even organic. Yeah. And, and so like, it's just, it's just how it is, but everyone, that's why it's important to educate yourself. So then that way you can make a decision based on your own, like understanding. Right. Exactly. Um, and with the real information, not false mm-hmm. information. And right. then from there you can make that decision. And that's just what I think is just so important is getting the truth out there because with mainstream media and everything going on in the world, it's very difficult. People don't know what to believe. And so if you're going out there and that's why with my personality too, is I'm a very real person. There is no gray area with me. It's black or white. (laughs) And I mean, and so for me, I think the more real we are, the more relatable we are Mm -hmm. and the more people are going to trust us because Mm -hmm. they know that what we're saying or what, how we're presenting it 99.9% of the time, it's probably real. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. I just, I have my own way of doing things, I guess. But for me, what I do is I love it. So that's great. Most of the time. (laughs) That kind of sparks the question for me is because how many, I'm not sure if the percentage or how many of your followers are actually farmers versus people that are just maybe following you because they're getting educated. I would say about 60% is agriculture based and about 40% has no, you know, no upbringing in it at all, or maybe no idea. And so for me, 60, 40 is actually pretty, pretty decent. And again, too, you, that's a great question because there are a lot of my followers who are farmers or ranchers or involved in any form of agriculture. There, a lot of them are from up north, and everywhere is north for me since I'm so far <laughs> south. But a lot of times, I find that farmers, or I don't even want to say farmers, I want to say everyone in agriculture tends to compete with one another. Like, oh, well, they do it this way, but my way is better. It, and that, that to me needs to stop. Yes, it's great to be competitive because it helps us drive and want to be better and do better. But at the same time, when there's such a small percentage of us in this world, mm-hmm. I feel like we should be working together and not against each other or competing against each other. And just because one way works for one person doesn't mean that it doesn't work for the other. Everyone's environmental factors, everyone's lifestyle, the way they were raised, everyone is different. And that's what makes this world so unique. But at that same time, I think that the people who don't follow or who are not involved in agriculture that follow, excuse me, they're learning and then they want to try to do it sometimes. And I think that's great. It's very hard to get into farming. The government and everyone is making it very difficult these days and with prices rising. But if they can learn just a little bit from me to even get them started, or they can learn from Farmer John all the way up in whatever, Nebraska, let's just say, then at that point, 
I think that people who are not involved can take little practices from every person and make it their own. Right. And even farmers from up north are learning about vegetables that they knew nothing of. And so if I can provide just that little bit of insight, we're rocking and rolling. Yeah. I think it's important just because I, I come from like a fourth generation of farming and, and it used to be where like the one thing I do love, I, I, I love about farming or agriculture is that your neighbors and your neighbors could be like literally like a mile down the road in them. And, and I live in the, right now I live in a suburban area. I don't know my neighbors. I don't like, it's just a huge difference as well mm-hmm. just because there is that friendly aspect of things, but there's also, when I was growing up on the farm, it's kind of like, it is competition in a way just because, and they kind of kept their secret secret. And now I love what you're saying just because you kind of have to share those. Everyone needs to be successful, especially when those numbers are diminishing where our food sources are getting smaller and smaller just because mm-hmm. some people are getting bought out or or they just can't maintain it because there's no interest from their kids or and so then there there has to be that education just because if there's there could be people like you that may not have that history of growing up in in ag but then all of a sudden they're pulled into it i've interviewed several people where similar stories as you, they didn't, they, they just kind of either they married someone or they had this desire to, to be in, have that lifestyle or yeah, it's just, it's just so interesting how, how people kind of get tugged towards that. And cause even I, now I, I want property. I want to have like a farm, <laughs> like that's my ideal yeah. lifestyle. If I, if I could choose that, but at the same time, it's, I just also know how stressful it could be too. And, but it's so rewarding at the same time. It's, I'm not trying to deter anyone from doing that. It's just, it's a lot of hard work. work. And, that's, and I think people don't, don't realize how much hard work it is. I know. And it, and it's, and I'm, that's one of the things I'm kind of scared of about the generation coming up. And I'm not saying all of everyone's like this, but we live in a world where everything's instant. Everything's kind of information's at our fingertips, literally. Yep. And so we could find information and then it just seems like there's just that instant kind of gratification. And if people just kind of took a step back and I think we're getting to a point where kind of, I, we talked about this in our last episode where there's these pendulum swings where it's kind of, mm-hmm. I think we're kind of going back and I, and I hope that's the case where people just kind of take a step back and take a break. Cause yeah. it's kind of like you with your business where you're going full force. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, wait, 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 let me evaluate this. And then, and then you pivot and then you become successful. I hope that's what society is doing and that they learn or they, they get different forms of information. And I, that's why I love hearing you and, and your story. How do you approach someone that has those, that passion and I mean, I'm, so I'm kind of a, I would like, my, my wife says I'm a, a pessimist, but I, I say I'm a realist. And so I'm a realist too. <laughs> so how do you keep the people that are maybe realists or let's just say pessimistic? Like, how do you keep them? Maybe they're, them, I guess you have to have that passion, right? Either If you don't have that passion, then there's not going to be that drive. Right. But you bring up, you say that. And so there's a lot of people on social media, as everyone can probably agree to, that are keyboard warriors. They're, (laughs) well, this, this, and this, and I read this, this, and this. And there have been times where it has made me feel defeated because, yes, they are real. Yes, they are being pessimist. And look, I'm a very positive person. After everything mm-hmm. I've been through in my life, my complete mindset has changed. Right. I always try to think, okay, I'm going to have bad days, right? Like I'm not going to be rainbows and Skittles and unicorns all day long. But I do like to spread happiness and positivity. Mm-hmm. And someone once told me, you have to have tough skin, but a soft heart. And the mm-hmm. day that your heart becomes hard, you've got a problem. And so I believe that if you honestly have that drive and you have that passion, you're going to make it work. And there are going to be people who they may not even intentionally try to bring you down or question your practices or your worth or your mindset or how you farm. There's always, someone is always going to have something to say. 
And you can either take it and assess it. Like if someone's like, oh, Michelle, you're, you rambled too much. Okay, you know what? There's probably a little truth to that. And it kind of, again, makes me step back, evaluate myself. But at the same time, I'm not going to change myself. And so is this person really being logistic in, or are they just trying to be mean? And for me, at some point, I'm like, what I am, who I am. I'm always looking to get better. I'm going to improve in this area, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I love it. And so I think that goes with a lot of farmers. If you love it, and even if you're starting out, if you love it, like y'all with your, your business and traveling around and having these landowners, you, you, you work together with these landowners, Mm -hmm. right? To provide this service for people who are traveling around. And if you're passionate about it, you're going to do it. Starting things that are worth it are never going to be easy. Or else everyone would do it. Right. So, yeah, 100%. Like, I love, and I love it kind of goes back to your comment about being real or being genuine because people are going to, they're going to find that. They're going to tend to gravitate to those people that are genuine, that are real, that they have that passion. And those, that's one of the reasons I love talking to you. Like, you, you just ooze that. And, and you, <laughs> well, I'm serious. Like, it's just, it's yeah. just really great that you have that that attitude and, and it, it rubs off because those, those things are like you're saying, it's kind of, if you're communicating to two people, then it might as well be 2000 people. You have this following, but you had to be consistent and persistent about what you're doing. And, and that's one of the biggest things. Anyone that's listening to this is that just continue with your passion and just do it every day. And I think too, a good thing to point out before we kind of close out is if anyone's, and it doesn't have to be agriculture, it can be like if maybe someone just got into RVing, right? And traveling the world and living a simpler life, which I love the simple life. But the the thing to remember is, is that, and it goes back to that old cliche saying is that Rome wasn't built in a day, is you're not going to jump from one mountain to another and successfully land. Like, let's just say the mountains are miles apart. Okay. Like no one can jump a mile. So basically you've got to be willing to take those small steps. And in every step that you take or every small leap, jump, whatever that you take, you're learning something, not only about yourself, but about what the world and how it functions. And you kind of take those little steps and combine it together into this huge learning process. And a lot of what I'm finding is a lot of And I'm not even going to say the younger generation because I've seen even an older generation than me. Sometimes people get fixated on, I don't want to say fame because I don't believe that being internet famous is anything. And I really don't like the term influencer either, but they get so fixated on trying to produce this content and be this person that their followers and this audience wants them to be but you have to stay true to yourself. And if you're, and I've fallen into the trap too, and I've caught myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to take a step back. Like I'm trying to do these funny things because that's what they love, but it's, it doesn't succeed when I do it that way. It succeeds when I'm true to myself and I'm just being me and who I am that day. I might be sad tomorrow, who knows? And it'll reflect in my personality. But again, that's being real because not everything is perfect. And so if you're true to yourself, your passion is, and it's meant for you, what's meant to be will come to me. That's what I say. It's going to take off. You just got to be willing to learn and to grow and you have to be willing to fail. Yes. So. I hundred percent agree. I love those. <laughs> those are like famous final words. I love that. That's like some, that's your doctor really Phil moment for the day. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. so, so wrapping up, where can people find you on social media? Where, where can they listen to your or watch your your show? Because I know I know the answer, but can you kind of share that with others? Sure. So you can, my Instagram is really where I'm most active. I recently just combined my Facebook with my Instagram, my personal Facebook, but which is now turned into my business Facebook. <laughs> but so on Instagram, it's the AgMag with a little underscore STX, which stands for South Texas, but AgMag underscore STX. Facebook is just the AgMag. And then you can watch my episodes on Acres TV, which is like a free streaming service, like a YouTube, but just for agriculture. You can also watch it on YouTube. And from time to time, they'll air clips of it on RFD. 
And then obviously my website, theagmag.org. Perfect. And before we close out, I just have to say, because nothing would be possible, one without the good Lord and my husband and child, but also my team, my videographer, Aaron Trevino, who is like the camera wizard. He's awesome. And then my graphic designer, Al Benavides. I would have nothing without them. They are my backbones, all that. And all my followers and advertisers and supporters, I owe you guys a big thank you too. Well, perfect. So. We'll, we'll keep a, we'll put a link down in the show notes. And then anyone that's okay. listening to this, we'll make sure that we put that on our platforms as well. Michelle, it's been so awesome to talk with you. It's been a pleasure. I hope we could do it soon or do it again. And hopefully, I'm sure you're going to grow even 10x what you have now. I don't know. So, well, well you, I, your mind goes a million miles an hour. So just keep that up and keep that. It's really, I'm, I, we're excited to see you grow and um, we want to grow alongside with you. And, and we're a huge fan and we appreciate your time Thanks. today. Yes. And anytime I can help you all with anything, you let me know. I'm here. Sounds good. Perfect. We appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Okay. You take care. Thanks for listening to The Recurring Plot, presented by Curb and Turf. Curb and Turf works like Airbnb, but we help RVers to find land where they can park when they're traveling. Make more money from your land. Please visit CurbandTurf.com to list your property.